Welcome to Media Nouveau, a podcast series exploring new media, old media, and the murky area in between. We're students in David Morgan's new media writing class at Emory University. Throughout the semester, we will discuss and question different facets of the ever-changing media landscape. Examining the ways in which we interact with and shape media. Each episode will explore a publication so that the series as a whole will articulate our own definition of these genres. back to this week in Media Nouveau. I'm your producer, Megan. And I am the assistant producer, Spencer. And in this episode, we will be discussing the news publication Vox. So Vox was created by Ezra Klein and a couple of his colleagues at the Washington Post. And they left the Washington Post in 2014 because they felt there was a need for more explanation where they felt the internet could fulfill that. So Vox has a distinct look. It has a yellow bright color that instantly uh, attracts you to their page and on their homepage they've got various different articles mainly pertaining to politics and what's going on in the world but they also have several different sections with pop culture and music and TV shows that are currently going on and it's really a plethora of different articles uh, that have a wide-ranging scope that really shows that Vox encompasses traffic from a lot of different perspectives. And in addition to these articles, Vox is also well known for their videos. And their videos are usually five to seven minutes with some of them on the shorter end and some on the longer end. But these videos usually, they're standalone videos so it's in place of an article and it'll be uh, an informational video or it'll teach you something or even sometimes it'll be analytical and they'll present an argument about uh, a current topic or a TV show and they use their visuals uh, incredibly well. They stick with their yellow theme but they are very graphically oriented and I think that really helps them uh, present their argument clearer and to a younger generation. And another distinguishing trait that Vox has is their cards. And these are hyperlinks and articles that link to more background info on that topic, which is what one of Klein's brainchilds was when he created Vox. So overall, you could say that Vox is a place where scholars and intellectuals will argue about the first principles that should shape our public and private lives. It's not necessarily news, it's analytical, and they present arguments and A lot of the time you aren't going to agree with what they say, but that I think is what makes Fox such a desirable place for people all around the world is that it's a voice that they can listen to that has hard-hitting ideas and in this day and age you need some critical thinking and I think Vox does that very well. Yeah, I think people are referring to uh, Vox as this new branch of explanatory journalism rather than on-the-ground journalism. So now we pose this question to you. How does Vox's presentation style respond to their audience's changing consumption of media while still maintaining their Explain the News mission? So when researching Vox, we noticed there were a lot of variations between when Vox was first launched in 2014 and the website as it stands now. So we mentioned cards, and Klein loved this idea of being able to hyperlink to more information about the topic, 
but we found that they're not as prominent as Klein wished. So from this Guardian article in 2014, they said, cards are the first of many ideas that the company will explore to get people into those nuggets of information around the news. And when we looked at a bunch of articles within Vox, we found that there really were no cards <laughs> in the articles. And it's even difficult to find where these cards are. In fact, you, there's no search on the website for cards. So while Klein's cards, if you will, uh, have kind of failed to take off as much as he wished, I don't know if it's fair to blame Klein and Vox as a whole for this, but maybe it's better to look at the outside uh, consumers and Henry Jenkins highlights this uh, point when he talks about the uh, changing consumption of media. And instead of long, laborious articles uh, that many people used to like to read in the newspaper, nowadays people want stuff quick. And even if the article is quick, some people just want to mindlessly tune out and watch a video and look at pretty colors and graphics. And Vox has uh, changed with the times extremely well. Everything they do is aesthetically pleasing. Everything they do has some graphical component to it. And I think these videos kind of replace the cards in ways that Klein might have never imagined. But I think these videos have taken the cards to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And I think even looking at uh, the changing of the videos that Vox has produced is interesting to look at because the first videos that they produced were these sit-down interviews called Vox Conversations that kind of reminded me of Between the Two Ferns. <laughs> um, but he interviewed many prominent leaders including Nancy Pelosi, Bernie Sanders, President Obama. But now it's evolving to entire series revolving around these titles like Vox Explains or titles starting with How. And they're not necessarily news. And this highlights the fact that they've turned into these quick snippets of card info. Um, some titles that I found interesting were Why We Really, Really, Really Like Repetition in Music. <laughs> it's not really news, but it definitely catches the audience's attention. So I think Vox has adjusted their video content to garner more audience attention or maybe to interest the audience in different ways than they first envisioned Vox. Yeah, and I don't think these titles are necessarily clickbaity as uh, maybe BuzzFeed. Yeah, uh, definitely not. But they, they do kind of try and find one question or aspect of a certain policy or certain TV show and they, they really hammer home to the audience what is actually going on and how this is happening and how it, how it affects you, the consumer. And going off of that, another difference that we found was they're much more reliant on social media to promote their articles and other forms of things that they publish. And this plays into the argument of stickiness versus spreadability. So the Daily Dot published an article in 2014, and a quote that I pulled from that was, but unlike most news sites, Vox is not relying on social, referring to social media. You'll see smaller share buttons on Vox articles than you'll see anywhere else. <laughs> and when you go to Vox, that's just not true. <laughs> They've got these 
large social media buttons just like every other publication out there. And I think Vox in the beginning didn't want to rely on social media, but as they've grown as a publication and company, I think they've attuned to that and they realize that social media is a necessary part of the digital age of publications. And I think that also speaks to the nature of society that we live in today. Everything is connected and if you're not promoting yourself on Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media platform you choose to follow, then you're falling behind your competitors. And if Fox wanted to try that in the beginning, that was an incredibly ambitious idea. And I think they probably learned very quickly that while it's a nice idea to be able to stay off of social media, social media is stronger than anyone ever imagined and it's not possible to just sit idly by anymore. Yeah, and um, going off of that, Ezra Klein intended Vox to be a this type of modern Wikipedia, but that goes off of the stickiness argument where you have all of your users going to this one website, this one page, and the links lead to other pages within the website which is what the early Vox looked like. But now going off of the social media model, it requires the users to be active web participants. Uh, to get to Vox, you usually go through like Facebook sharing or suggested YouTube videos uh, or even Reddit, <laughs> like we've analyzed in a previous podcast. And this requires that Vox be spreadable. And I think they have definitely attuned to this as they've grown. And just like we talked about last week with Reddit, um, Vox also diverges uh, in a way from old media. With Vox, there's a lot of interactivity that the user experiences when watching a video or reading an article. In the case of the articles, there are oftentimes click-through links where words are bolded and sources are bolded so that you can click through and really immerse yourself with the source, or if you don't know a word, a lot of times if you just hover over it, uh, the definition will highlight or a little card will pop up over it and it'll it'll enhance the article in ways that a, a newspaper or a magazine just simply couldn't, being static. Um, oftentimes they'll link videos or little GIFs to the bottom or intermingled in the article and this this really just adds a whole nother level to the analysis and to the argument that happens in just about every article on Vox. Yeah, and this new presentation of the news is something that they're trailblazing. In a New York Times article that was published in 2014 when Vox was created, Ezra Klein described uh, that while the Post is an excellent publication, he said he felt the conventions of newspaper print journalism in general, with its commitment to incremental daily coverage, were reflected in publishing systems, which need first and foremost to meet the needs of printing a daily paper. Going from there, as Klein's motivation behind Vox is to display the context of the story and provide analysis, and this leads to a more understandable way to digest the news. Um, in a YouTube video where Ezra Klein and his colleagues described the what the purpose of Vox would be, he describes this well. We can build all of the context so that in order to begin to understand the news, you don't need to read it for a long time and understand 20% of the first article, then 23% of the second, then 25% of the fifth. We can actually just put the information there for you. 
There's no such thing here as the vegetables of journalism. We have to figure out how to make this stuff not just matter to people, not just appealing to people, we have to figure out how to make it understandable to them too. So in this kind of mission video, he describes how news needs to be understandable to the daily person. And he gets at this by changing the way a news article is presented and displayed. And I think they do this very well. They tend to begin with an article and shift over to a video while also intermingling data visualizations and long graphics that you can scroll through and you can really pick up what they are saying in, in 30 seconds or a minute even. I mean, you just look at the page and you're able to see, oh, they're talking about uh, Obamacare repeal and these are the steps needed to repeal it and replace it or the this is what's going to happen when it's repealed or this is what how many votes they need. They really go through and you can see oh, this is how close we are to the next election. This is how many more seats are needed to sway the House. Just all different types of visualizations are used by Vox, and that really helps the reader to visualize what's going on, and by visualizing it, helps the reader to understand it. Yeah, it's a perfect example of Henry Jenkinson's uh, transmedia storytelling. So while Vox is praised for their ability to tailor to the reader's understanding, there is a problematic nature of this new explanatory news. It's, it's news driven by analysis, and it's different from the on-the-ground reporting that audiences are accustomed to, uh, like on broadcasting or the Associated Press. And it's important that audiences understand the inherent bias present within this explanatory nature of the articles so that the audience doesn't take it at its face value. And so you can unravel the article yourself and look into different points of view surrounding the issues that Vox presents in their articles. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have today. Uh, we just wanted to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and supporting us. We also wanted to thank Ben, our wonderful line producer, for his recording and mixing of this podcast episode. We'd also like to thank Professor Morgan for guiding us and critiquing our ideas. And we look forward and hope you join in uh, for our third and final podcast in a few weeks. Thank you for listening.